You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. We made it to a Friday. It's a meat Friday at that. Our graphics guy, Dylan, it's his birthday. He got to plan the menu. Lamb burgers, turkey burgers, bacon-wrapped scallops. Who's got it better than we do? Nobody. No, let's try that again. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. All righty. Come on in. Stay a while. Poll question, play of the day, stat of the day. Brady Quinn, backed by popular demand. Fox Sports, former Cleveland Browns quarterback, Notre Dame quarterback. He'll join us coming up in a little bit. Our buddy Ross Tucker, he'll join us. Oh, and look who's back. Paulie's girlfriend, Rebecca Lowe, NBC Sports, the Premier League. Ritzy Bookter, I had no knowledge of this. <laughs> yeah, well, that made your Friday there. Rebecca. In America's. Yes, we love Rebecca Lowe. She'll join us uh, coming up. Final hour of the show. Dodgers roll the Braves. Chris Taylor hits three homers. Braves still up three games to two. Browns beat the Broncos. You got the Red Sox and the Astros game six tonight. Not a great weekend in college football. Northwestern Michigan. You got Tennessee, Alabama. You got USC, Notre Dame. But that's about it. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. We'll... Uh, Get to that poll question coming up. Say good morning to our radio affiliates, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, and our streaming partner, Peacock. Download the app and you can watch for free. We could never charge you for this content. The Dodgers beat the Braves 11-2 last night to stay alive. 17 hits. Now they trail three games to two. And if you're a fan in Atlanta, you might worry that this is a repeat of last season when L.A. came back from a 3-1 deficit in the National League Championship Series. And it could be. But don't look at last year's results as the reason because we sometimes overinflate past results. These are different Dodgers and Braves teams than last year. This is a different Braves team than it was a couple of months ago after the trade deadline. The most famous case of a team defying history is probably the 04 Red Sox. They had been losing to the Yankees for decades, but came back from that 3-0 deficit, went on to win the World Series. Atlanta's still leading here, but the point is they can't let last season bother them. It's now a three-game series, the best of three, and uh, all Atlanta has to do is just win one. They got to make sure they put the past in the past and try to close out this series at home. But I like the Dodgers' chances because it sets up for that rotation. Now, I don't know what happens as far as you got 17 hits, you got five home runs, and you're going to take that to Atlanta. It's not something you put in the overhead bin when you get on the plane. You have no idea. Momentum is the next day's starting pitcher. That's really what it comes down to. But Chris Taylor, this happens. This happens in baseball. Down through the years, you lock in on shutting down one or two guys, and then all of a sudden you somehow ease up on somebody else. And Taylor made them pay last night. Three home runs. A.J. Pollock had a great game as well. So it's not the household names, the guys you expect, but you need that every single year. When you look at a World Series winner, there's always somebody who came out of nowhere to give you a big hit, big moment, big pitching performance. And now you have Max Scherzer, full rest, going into this game. I certainly like the Dodgers' chances. And then you'll have Walker Bueller, and then you'll have uh, Urias coming out of the bullpen if you need him. The Dodgers' bullpen has been really good, but now the pressure to me is on Atlanta. Can you beat Max Scherzer in game six and then 
You roll the dice when you get to a game seven if you don't do that. McLovin, what's the poll question you have for this program brought to you by M-Drive, the supplement for driven men, supports healthy testosterone levels, boost energy. Visit mdrivedan.com. Free shipping, 60-day guarantee. Don't let age beat you. Get M-Drive. I think we should put up, who do you got? The Braves up 3-2 or the Dodgers? Because I'll bet you the Dodgers win that poll. Well, yeah, we're on the Dodgers radio station, KLAC, so I would expect that. We'll say no Dodgers fans can vote. <laughs> no, I no. think that nationally, <laughs> no. people are buying into this. The Braves are jigs against the Dodgers. Well, I don't know if they are. I'm just looking at this. You know, when you look at those pitchers and I get somebody who's a big-time pitcher like Max Scherzer, I expect Max Scherzer to, be, to give you a quality start in Game 6. Now, what happens with the Braves lineup? What happens with the Dodgers lineup? You know, can you get two runs, three runs? Can you get more than that? You know, is it your starter? Is it your middle relief? Is it your closer? I think that last night, the brave starter, Freed, was maybe tipping his pitches. I think there were certainly some whispers that sometimes a pitcher will know, a manager will know, or a catcher will know when you're on somebody. Now, sometimes you'll get a hit. Sometimes you'll really connect. Other times you're like, wow, they are on top of his pitches. And, you know, these hitters, they're looking for something. And it felt like Freed might have been tipping his pitches last night. I think that the Braves were also looking at some of the body language going on with the Dodgers, that it felt like they were talking to one another. And then it felt like Freed was maybe starting to realize this when it was too late. But... The Dodgers, you know, that, that's not Astros stuff. That's just a pitcher tipping his pitches. And, and if that's the case, it doesn't take long for them to realize when he does this, this is what he's throwing. When he does this, this is what he's throwing. And that sometimes is all the advantage that you need. Whether that's true or not, it felt like he might have realized this when he was on the mound, when he was being taken out. All right, what else do you have, McLovin? Okay, it's a week of giant spreads in the NFL, like college football spreads. If I give you these three massive, I'll give you four touchdown or more uh, underdogs, which has the best chance of winning? The Chicago Bears are 12-point dogs at Tampa Bay. (laughs) The Houston Texans are 18-point dogs. Sorry, 17.5 at Arizona. Oh, wait, it's only 17 and a half. Yeah. Okay. The Detroit Lions are 15 and a half point underdogs in the Jared Goff Revenge Bowl. Okay. So are any of those possible? Chicago's got to be the one team out of that. Yeah, I guess I would say the Bears. You know, it's Justin Fields versus Tom Brady. I don't think there's been a bigger age discrepancy of starting quarterbacks in a game than 23 years. Brady 44, Justin Fields 21. So, yeah, I would probably say the Bears against the Buccaneers. A couple other big ones. The Washington football team is seven-and-a-half-point underdogs against at Green Bay. Once again, if I looked at this, I would probably circle one or two games and go, those, those could be squirrely. Those could, those could change. The opposite could end up happening there. But for some reason, this week feels like it doesn't feel like a lot of options for underdogs winning and there's another one the the jets are uh touchdown underdog against the patriots like it's hard to see those teams winning i know but it happens every week where you go how is this happening you get a feeling every friday i do i'm curious if if i can't wait to see if you find one this yeah, week. yeah I, I don't know this um, one more line this that surprised me the Bengals are actually six point underdogs at baltimore 
five and a half, six points. Why did that surprise you? Um, I think feel the Bengals are four and two. Does that seem a little big? That's a pretty big line. Uh, well, I think we're looking at the Ravens. Are they the best team in the AFC? You know, I think the Bengals have played well. They're competitive. I thought they were going to beat the Packers. But this is one of those Baltimore just roughed up the Chargers, and now the Bengals come to town. Um, they have offense, and that's a really good defense. The question is, can you hold Lamar Jackson in check? Um, yeah, that's probably a fair number there. Yeah. Could I see the Bengals winning? Yeah, I could. Uh but I expect Baltimore, you know, that defense has been solid. And he, even last night, you know, I'm watching the Browns game. It, it, that, if you're a running back and you think you're going to get a big contract, you're like, wait a minute, who is this running back and where did they get him? I mean, you got to be Derrick Henry and that's about it. Alvin Kamara. I mean, Christian McCaffrey got paid, but, you know, that's a bad contract. But Dearness Johnson, out of nowhere, who reportedly ran a 4.840 at the Combine. That's just a little better than Rich Eisen. <laughs> but he was great last night. And out of nowhere, working on a fishing boat three years ago, <laughs> he's out there running around. If, if I'm a running back in college, I'm like, oh, God. I'm never going to get paid. I got to switch positions. Yeah, Seaton. Yeah, great night for that guy. Terrible <laughs> night for the position of running back. You could just grab some dude off a fishing boat yeah. and throw him out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, McLovin. Does that mean Nick Chubb isn't as great as we thought he was? That's what I was wondering last night. Because no. he seems great. Yeah. When you have them, you're an elite team. I think when you have that running attack, it doesn't matter if you have Baker Mayfield or Case Keenum. And that's another, you know, person who's probably going, oh, that didn't help me. I mean, Case Keenum played okay. I mean, he played fine. And I expect him to be, you know, that kind of quarterback. You know, I'm not asking him to win anything. Just don't lose anything. You don't have your wide receivers being healthy. Landry and Odell Beckham. By the way, I think Odell Beckham can't catch with both hands. He's really good with one hand. It's when he tries to catch with two hands where you go, what? Because his signature is the one-handed catch. Now, I know he's hurt. Uh, Jarvis Landry is banged up as well. I mean, the Browns as a team banged up. But this is, once again, you have one or two of these games every year for these elite teams where you go, man, they barely won that game. But you won that game. That's the key. And that's all you wanted if you're a Cleveland Browns fan. Just... Win that game. Yeah, McLovin. Do you have a hunch on whether Baker Mayfield will get the big deal? I'm going to talk to Brady Quinn about it. Um, because you you have to look at the free agent landscape here. Because you're not going to get a high draft pick. I don't think they're going to get a high draft pick unless they have somebody other uh, some other team's draft pick. Can Baker Mayfield take you to the next level? Can you be on par with some of the elite teams? But can you start over is also the big decision there. If you're the Browns, you got everything in place. Spent a lot of money on that defense. Two running backs. You got wide receivers. Uh, Hooper can be a quality uh, tight. They got two good tight ends. And Joku and they got uh, uh, Hooper. Austin Hooper, right? Austin Hooper. Uh, but... Is Baker Mayfield, does he make them that much better? 
And I think you're still not quite sure about that. Yes, he. It's kind of like weighing, does Baker Mayfield make you that much better versus do we really want to start over again? Yeah. yeah I, think, I just don't know how many times you can go to that well as a franchise. Yeah, they've had more starting quarterbacks than I think anybody in the last 30 years. It's almost like, do we need elite or does pretty good cover it? But I don't want to pay $45 million a year for pretty good mm. or good. Yeah, I don't. I, I. It's pretty good. Slightly worse than good, or slightly better. Pretty. Um, pretty good. It feels like it's worse than good. Oh, I don't know. Pretty uh, good means you're not committed to good. Hey, pretty it's good. Pretty good. Oh, okay. But you haven't committed to being. He's a good player. It's like That's saying. A, it's like saying partially good. Right. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Yeah, McLevin. I have the Browns is only having their own pick, and they are at number 20 right now. Now, if you remember, they have picked a lot of quarterbacks right yes, around they 20. Have, including they got Johnny Brady. Manziel at 22, Brandon Whedon at 22. That might be uh, Baker's when, best chance. Brady Quinn. Where was And Brady Quinn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Deshaun Kaiser was, wasn't he a second round pick? Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser was a second round pick. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. So maybe they have to stick with Baker. Okay, but if you said, hey, maybe we uh, make a run at Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy Garoppolo or I don't know. Sounds like a better strategy now that we look I, I, at the. Uh... I don't know. I, I just, I don't think Baker Mayfield is elite. But I think when he embraces his role, then he can be very good. And the team can be very good. But is that enough to beat you know, one of these teams when you get to the playoffs? Yeah, Paul. But let's say they offered him five years for $150 million. Is that $30 million a year? That's, let me check but my they app. don't do that. But he, where is he getting that elsewhere? If he passes on that offer, I don't know if he has the bargaining position where they don't pick up his option that some other team's going to give him $180 million. That... that May not work out for him long term. Marcus Mariota didn't. James Winston didn't get that money. This would be my strategy if I'm a GM. I would say, you know what? You're not Mahomes. You're not. I'm going to give you an 80% offer. Do you want to stay here at that price? We can use that salary elsewhere. You want to do this? That would be my approach. Now, I might lose some players, but you look at these teams that are top heavy with these salaries. And it's really hard to win when that happens. Yeah. All right. So we'll settle on poll question. Brady Quinn will join us coming up. More on the Dodgers staying alive. The uh, Braves still up three games to two. You have Red Sox at the Astros. That's game six coming up tonight. Uh, Let's see. Anything else that we need to mention on this program, Paulie? I was thinking Dearness Johnson, the running back from last night. You know how they do, if he starts next week, they'll bet Case Keenum. Houston, when they show the offense, Ooh. he should say, Dearness Johnson, fishing boat, mm. and don't give a school. Mm. Wasn't he South Florida? Did he go to Checking. University of South Florida? I always think of Ernest. You know, that, those movies with Ernest. Ernest goes to Hollywood. Like, Dearness goes to Cleveland. Yeah, USF. Yeah, USF. Yeah. I think he's the all-time AAF leading rusher. Oh. With 96 yards. <laughs> but he ran a 4840. Yeah. How do you do that? Uh, they were talking about last night. Something was going on. <laughs> you know, he had outside things going on that day. Oh. Or something. I don't know. Before eight, that's unacceptable for a running back, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, McLovin. <laughs> I was going to mention about it. Broncos still couldn't tackle him. What happened to that team? Uh, 
Hey, Todd, you kind of quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your Broncos to, uh, gear? Where's your Broncos They do gear? appear to be a bit fraudulent. I am more than concerned about saying that Denver is going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, we didn't get the drive or the fumble during the game as far as the video. Yeah, it was, there was like a fourth quarter mention, but I don't think they showed the video. No, they did not. All right, let me take a break here. We'll come back. Brady Quinn will join us, and um, we'll talk about a few things. Also, the uh, top 75 for the NBA, 75th anniversary, so the top 75. We'll talk about some of the snubs there and the ongoing drama with Ben Simmons. It continues this morning, supposed to meet with the 76ers. We'll play the uh, sound for the general manager, Daryl Morey, on a Philadelphia radio station yesterday saying, you digging in. This could last for four years. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. RockAuto.com, they're there for you right now. You can go there right now. They're there 24-7. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. RockAuto.com, family business founded back in 1999 by automotive engineers. And speaking to people who worked for the company, started the company, and they said, look, we had two goals in mind. We knew all the information since we worked in the business as automotive engineers. They want to give you the access to the information hidden in the computers and catalogs behind the parts store counter. And second, they take out the middleman. They, they want to make the parts affordable. They offer reliably low prices. And they get you the parts that you need. And sometimes you get uh, the choice of brands, prices, and features you want. And they will deliver things right to your doorstep. You know, depending on what you need, they deliver it to you. Which means you don't waste time and money hunting for the parts. So you're not phoning, driving, waiting in lines. Go to rockauto.com. Make sure you tell them we sent you, right, Dan Patrick, in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Listen to the show. All the parts your car, truck, whatever need at rockauto.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. This program brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. They go far beyond from their customization options, cutting-edge tech. Five stars, uh, five-star sales, service, financial support crew. Mercedes-Benz Vans, built, equipped, engineered to be ready for anything. Go the extra mile, taking the all-important first step into an authorized dealership today. We'll get to your phone calls, settle on a poll question. Got our play of the day, a couple of stats of the day forthcoming. He's Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL studio and game analyst. And he has a radio show on Fox Sports Radio called Two Pros and a Cup of Joe. And it precedes this program with LeVar Arrington and Jonas Knox. You can catch him weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. And uh, that leads right into our show. Brady joins us on the program. Brady, good morning. What do you take away from uh, last night's Browns win? I think two things. Uh, one, the, the Browns have a roster and a football team that is resilient and I think can withstand some injuries and still find a way of winning football games, especially when you see the way Case Keenan played, Deaners Johnson, uh, Johnson at the running back spot. Uh, but that was something that looking into this year, coming into it, I kind of felt like the Browns could withstand some of those injuries, some of what happens during the course of an NFL season. And for the Broncos, um, I, I think a couple things offensively stood out. You know, they just got to find a way of being able to produce more points. I know the Browns have a good defense, especially that front, but the offensive line has gotten exposed for the Broncos the past couple of weeks now. And there's just there's no big plays within that that offense, but they've got the they've, they've got the ability to make those plays on the outside. I just I don't know if they need to take more chances or what you want to attribute it to. Maybe the play of Teddy Bridgewater. 
Uh, but there's some disconnect right now on offense for the Broncos. That's a better football team than I think their record shows right now. And I know everybody's banged up. The Browns are banged up. The offensive line, you got your running backs, you got your wide receivers, you got Baker Mayfield there. And we add a 17th game. I mean, th- it, it's a war of attrition here, Brady. I, I, I just, I'm amazed that the players, I know money, you know, kind of trumps everything, but it's like, yeah, bring in another game here. It's hard enough to get through 16. Now you're adding one more and we're at week seven and you have all of these injuries. I, is this just an aberration or do you think this is what, you know, we got to get geared up for? No, I think it's what we have to get geared up for. And the disappointing thing is that the players didn't push back and say, we need an expanded roster. You know, we need to have an even greater roster, in particular on game day. We need to have an extra bye week like all these things that I think are important to taking care of players' bodies. None of that, none of that got accomplished when you signed on to a CBA that was going to, you know, potentially increase to 17 games. And look, eventually we'll get to 18 games. I mean, that's where this is going. It's all about money. We know that's the prerogative of the NFL owners. At some point, if the NFL PA is, is really being honest with themselves, they need to start taking how, you know, how many games these players can actually take seriously and, and realize that it is a brutal physical sport and you have to do something to counteract the toll that's taken on these players' bodies, whether it's, again, additional buy, uh, expanding the roster. So you've got, you know, the ability to have more guys on there, more guys practicing throughout the course of the week too, uh, just additional bodies to help with that, give guys rest. I mean, there's a, a myriad of, of ways I think you can circumvent some of that, but uh, it doesn't seem like the NFLPA understands those leverage points to kind of flex against the owners in those negotiations. Baker Mayfield wants to come back, but he's got, I mean, it, it's his non-throwing shoulder, but it, that's part of your DNA as the quarterback. Like you have to get back there, but is that a good thing for the Browns? Is that a good thing for Baker that he's trying to, you know, come back maybe sooner than he needs to? Well, he is kind of, I don't want to say in a contract year, but I think he'd like to get that next contract. So clearly there's some incentive to come back there. I think anytime you're a quarterback and you're on the sideline and you're watching a guy go in there and be able to operate the way Case Keenum did last night, I don't know how much longer you want that to go on. You know, you don't want that thought to creep in back of anyone else's mind where you say, well, once this guy puts together a string of three or four really good games, I'm not saying Case Keenum's going to be the guy, but I mean, let's just, let's just say after the season, there's a chance maybe Russell Wilson's available. I mean, we're still hearing trade rumors for Deshaun Watson. I don't know if any of that's going to come through or not now. If it doesn't, maybe after the season, he becomes available depending on how the legal situation squares itself out. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, there's speculation this might be his last year in Green Bay. There's a number of quarterbacks who I think would look at that roster in Cleveland and go, yes, yeah, sign me up for that. So um, I, I think you got to be careful if you can come back and play. I mean, it's not going to diminish your ability to go in and play effectively. Yeah, you probably need to be back in there and be a part of your team and try to make that playoff run. But why can't the Browns go? Now, I, I don't want to give Baker a, a, a long-term contract. You know, and I'd still like to see what happens the rest of the year before I do that. But even then, I can't give him $40 million. I, like, what if I just said five years, 150? Because what? How much of that is guaranteed? Uh, let's make uh, three quarters of it guaranteed. How's that? 
Okay. I'm trying to do the quick math in my head here. It's kind of early in the morning out here on the West Coast, Dan. So I'm trying to put this all together. No, I, I, think, it, I think it all depends on the structure of that contract, what it looks like, and then what he feels comfortable with at this point. Yeah, but what's right? his marketplace, I mean, though, Brady? If, if, like, what's, what's he going to do? Hey, we're going to give you this. Who's going to give him top-end money? Well, I, I think a, a quarterback needy team if he was able to hit free agency. I mean, that's the reality of it. So, you know, what that contract's going to look like, we talked about this before, his fifth-year option next year, and then two additional years of the franchise tag. That should be the base, uh, really the floor of those negotiations of what he would sign an extension for, at least what the first three years would look like. So, um, you know, calculating some of those numbers into it, if if they offered him anything less than that, I'd say no, because I'd be willing to go through the risk, at least, and that's just me. Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he wants the financial security of having that love of some sum of money right now, sure. but they've already picked up his fifth year option. And if they pick up the subsequent, you know, franchise tags for, you know, years one and two in that each year's guaranteed. So uh, it just, it all depends on what he's willing to do, how, how, how long he's willing to push this and what he thinks he's worth in his mind. You and I might have an idea of what he thinks he's worth, but I can promise you this. Every single quarterback in the NFL thinks the best and they think they, they should be paid the most. That's just, how we're wired. That's how we think. It might be crazy to everyone else out there, but that's what we think in our minds. Case Keenum probably even thinks that. He's probably thinking, like, give me another game. Let me show you what I'm all about. And I don't know if it's a big drop-off with Case Keenum. I, I mean, he knows Kevin Stefanski from Minnesota. He, he's, he's played in, you know, a couple of big playoff games. It's just the difference is star power here, in my opinion. It's star power. I think there's some other intangibles too. I think Baker has a stronger arm. Uh, I think Baker's best football is his, his ceilings higher than probably what Cases is. But to your point, you know, I don't, I don't know that the floor is is really that much different from those two. And I think Case is very serviceable. I mean, we've seen him be able to make a playoff run in the past, so especially with a good team surrounded around him, which they've got right now in Cleveland. So that's a fair assessment. But you know, ultimately, it comes down to the Browns have to make a decision on. Do they feel like Baker Mayfield is good enough to be able to win them a Super Bowl? And if they're comfortable with being able to check that box and, and say that's the case, then the contract's the contract. Because the reality is of these contracts, you know, you're going to end up redoing it, especially if it's a five-year deal, three years into it, probably, if things are going how you want them to go, right? If you have the same head coach, the same general manager, and you're winning football games, you're already going to have to renegotiate that contract, either to create cap space for another player or because you don't want him to get any closer to free agency. And the more economical way of doing that is to be able to, you know, negotiate or renegotiate that extension earlier in that contract, rather as opposed to waiting until he gets closer to free agency. So that, that's, that's all if everything goes well. If it doesn't go well, yeah, you got a new head coach, new general manager, you know, he might be playing out that contract or maybe being traded on that contract. There's, there's all those what ifs. He's Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL studio and game analyst. Is Odell Beckham. A top 10 wide receiver? I would say talent-wise, yes. I don't think the production has equated to that love late. And a lot of that you know, has to do with injuries and the system that, that he's in. I mean, is this the best system for Odell Beckham to be in? Probably not. I mean, they're, they're really, to be honest, a run-first team, yeah. and they base everything off of that. So um, I, I still think he's a top 10 talent. I really do. Um, I, I think the narrative that – if he's not out there, you know, it's, it's easier on Baker Mayfield or their offense is better. I'm like, where's the logic there? I mean, do you think any defense is, is going up against the Browns saying, uh, we hope, we hope Odo Beckham's, you know, in the game because that makes them a less potent offense. 
I mean, he's, he's obviously a mismatch for a lot of defensive backs. He's obviously got the big playability and the ability to hurt you down the field. So no defense is going to walk into a game uh, with Odell Beckham in and being like, oh, thank God he's on the field, right? We don't have to worry about that guy, right? I mean, he's, he's, clearly, he's clearly one of the more talented wide receivers. Just, they have not been able to find that chemistry, and they have not been able to kind of get him rolling because I think he is one of those players where once you get him rolling, uh, he, he becomes that you know, uh, unstoppable force, if you will. I don't think he can catch with two hands. Like, it's crazy. There's, I don't know why. I swear to you, some of the best, best hands and the best guys i played with, they can always make the ridiculous catch or one-handed catch, but the, the drops are always the ones that are like the easiest ones. Yeah. And I just think they're so confident in their ability to make that catch that they start to take their eye off the ball. They start to move a little bit upfield. Um, you know, it's, it's like as a quarterback. You know, sometimes the hardest ones to hit are the ones wide open. You know, it's easier when you have a tight window because you understand exactly where you need to pinpoint that ball. When you got a guy who's running with 10 yards of separation, you just want to make sure you're not the guy missing that throw. You got to make sure you give it a little bit of a room for error. USC Notre Dame this weekend. Your favorite USC Notre Dame memory memory is what? <laughs> well, I don't have many. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, back then, back then they were rolling. You know, it's been seventeen hundred and eighty or seventeen hundred ninety days now, I think, since USC beat Notre Dame. Um, you know, Notre Dame's won the last three, or I think six of the last eight, and uh, you know, so it's been a different, a different deal. I mean, that's how rivalries are. You know, a lot of times you get the ebbs and flows of rivalries between two teams, and that was USC's heyday. Um, and, and then after Pete left. <laughs> He obviously, uh, I think the S and USC Center for sanctions at that point, and they haven't really been able to recover since. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, it was probably the 05 game. I mean, I, you know, we called a play. Um, it was it was a quarterback draw, and Charlie told me early in that week, he's like, "You're we're gonna I'm gonna call this play, and you're gonna run in for a touchdown, and we're gonna win the game." It's Charlie White and <clears throat> Charlie White, our head coach at the yeah. time, yeah. and you know, he was. The green jerseys, everything building up to that game made it really special. Our, our pep rally, which traditionally was in the Joy Center back then, they held it in the stadium because there were so many people who were in town for it. I think we had 50,000 or something like that for a pep rally, you know. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't exist during during the whole COVID deal. But it was, it, you know, that play, I mean, reaching across the goal line, putting us, you know, ahead at that moment. Uh, it was I mean, just everything coming to fruition. But at the same time, looking at the scoreboard going, we left them too much time. You know, that's honestly how I felt. My heart is knowing how good Matt and Reggie were in that entire offense. Like I, I knew we left too much time on the on the on the board. And then when you realized that you had the uh, Bush push, um, did you have a good angle when you're watching that? Yeah, I saw it. I mean, I, I knew it was illegal. You know, but what what happens between the lines during the game? No one's going to come back and say they saw anything different. Um, I mean, it's it's a legal play now. Uh, but back then it was illegal and the officiating was honestly awful down the stretch. I mean, the spot for that play in particular, it was a terrible spot, but you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I, I would have hoped my running back would have done the same thing if it was me going in for a quarterback sneak. Um, and, and that's what you do to try to win the game. I, I honestly blame, I blamed our PA speaker in the stadium because everyone rushed the field. And I'm thinking like, look, if the officials feel too much pressure, maybe they just call it. It's game over. They, everyone runs off the field and everyone's still celebrating. But they uh, they made sure everyone cleared the field and they got the chance to kind of collect themselves and have that one final play. So um, it was uh, it was an incredible atmosphere. It was obviously 
Um, a pretty hard loss to take, but it, it, was, it was a very fun journey. That entire week was very memorable. Okay, but you're going to see Leinart and Reggie Bush on Saturday. How long does it take for that conversation to come up? Well, here's what you have to understand at Fox. There's a lot of USC alum who then transition over to work for Fox. So I'm constantly reminded of it. It's not like we've got a bunch of Notre Dame alums who are like trying to figure out a way of not putting it in there. Like they, they actually referenced it last week. I mean, we were even playing last week. Both teams were on buys, but they still, they've still referenced it. So I can't, I can't get away from it. I just keep trying to remind them like, you know, again, you know, you guys have, uh, you guys put Aunt Becky in a jail cell or whatever with some of the stuff going on with USC. I keep her body of all the dirt that's going on right now. I was like, maybe Southern Cal should focus on that and not so much replaying a highlight from 15 years ago. You did a full house reference for these guys? I love Aunt Becky. I'm just saying. I mean, it seems like they got a lot of people paying to find their way in there. You know, my son and, and one of my daughters went to USC. And how they went there, I have no idea. On their own merits, yeah, by the way. You got something to tell me? No. You got something to tell me? No. Man? You know, but the funny thing is, is my daughter called me when this whole thing broke. And she said, she said, Dad, swear to me that you did not pay for me to get in USC. I go, what are you talking about? I, I said, I'm paying tuition. She goes, but you didn't, you didn't bribe anybody, did you, Dad? I go, no, no. I, and then I say to my son, I said, I, I didn't hear from you. He goes, no. I knew you didn't have to bribe for me to get into USC. Well, that's that's weird because I've been on their campus. I remember seeing this Patrick building. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, I wonder who, I wonder who donated that out here. It's a beautiful building, by the yep. way. If that you. is you, Dan. Yes, it is. Kudos to you. Yeah, yeah kudos yeah. to you. Yeah, it was just a donation. It was a gift, right. Brady. Right. Yeah, yeah. And just a gift. Uh, good luck this weekend. You know, fight the good fight. Okay. I will. Yeah. I will. Not, I, we're, not we're, fight we're on. Watch. Don't fight on. Right. Fight the right. good fight. We're, we're going to watch the game again. And then for some reason, people seem to think like it's going to end differently. I'm like, <laughs> no, it ends, it ends the same way every time. Yep. Thank you, Brady. Thank you. That's uh, Brady Quinn at Fox Sports. And uh, he co-hosts Two Pros and a Cup of Joe. That's the show that precedes ours on Fox Sports Radio with uh, former NFL player LeBar Arrington and Jonas Knox. And that's uh, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m., 9 a.m. Eastern. We went to USC Notre Dame. Was Case Keenum the quarterback? Who was the quarterback for USC that night? Oh, no. Uh, you mean Matt Barkley? <laughs> Which is a, no. But it can't be Case. He was. Oh, cute. what am I thinking? Um, who was the quarterback at USC that night? Four, was that four years ago? Five years? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, God dang it. McLevin, you got this? I have a list of uh, quarterbacks at USC. Uh, Cody Kessler? Cody Kessler. Yeah, I was going to say, it's another journeyman yeah. NFL quarterback. Case That's Keenum, why I said Matt Barkley. Cody Kessler. Yeah, sounds similar. But that was that atmosphere was great. Yeah, Paul. So on the play where Reggie Bush pushed Matt Line at the end zone, the rule is, it's Article 3, no player on his team shall grasp, push, lift, or charge the running back to assist him to the forward progress. Mm. In the NFL, you could push a running back or quarterback. You can't pull him. It's actually written. So like you see, sometimes you see linemen pushing a, a running back. Yeah. That's legal. Pulling is not in the NFL. Play of the day is up next. Back after this. 
Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, my God. The play, the play, the play. of the day. Check this out. Uh, 2-2. Taylor with a fly ball to deep left center field. Chris Taylor has hit his third home run of the night and becomes the 11th different player in baseball history with three home runs in a postseason game. That's courtesy of AM570, LA Sports, Dodgers Radio Network. Taylor joins Kike Hernandez. Game 5 of the 2017 National League Championship Series is the only Dodgers with three home run, a three-home run game in postseason history for that franchise. You know, three is a big deal, certainly in the postseason, but it's happened, you know, a few times. Most famously, Reggie Jackson hit three against the Dodgers. Babe Ruth did it a couple of times. I think Albert Pujols had uh, three home runs in a game. Anybody else uh, on that list? I'm trying to think the number of players who have had at least three home runs in a playoff game. I don't think anybody's had four. No, I can find nobody. Enrique Hernandez with the Dodgers in 2017. Jose Altuve, 2017 with the Astros. Pablo Sandoval, 2012. That was World Series game one. Uh, Adam Kennedy with the Angels Mm -hmm. in 2002. You mentioned Pujols. That was game three. Uh, the World Series. George Brett against the uh, Yankees. Um, Reggie did it. I'm trying to think if I've left somebody out. Sometimes it's not the guy that you think would be hitting three home runs in a game like <laughs> we saw last night with Chris Taylor. Pablo Sandoval. Altuve, I think, has hit three in a game before. Um, Bob Robertson. Played for the Pirates back in the early 70s, a first baseman. I uh, don't know if we've left anybody out. Uh, out, But Babe did it uh, twice, or he hit uh, three home runs. I think he did it, um, might have been in the same series. No, no, it was um, Babe did it in 1926 against the Cardinals, 1928 against the Cardinals. And he had a lot fewer chances. They didn't have wild card. They didn't have divisions. No, no. Oh. And, uh, by the way, the uh, Dodgers, 17 hits. That's uh, the most for a franchise in a postseason game. Five home runs tied the franchise mark set in last year's National League Championship Series. Three, uh, game three against the Braves. You know, here's another thing. You had seven pitchers for the Dodgers. No walks. That bullpen has been a strength. You got Scherzer coming up game six. And then Walker Bueller waiting for game seven. It sounds strange to say advantage Dodgers, but but I feel that just because of the starting pitching and having been there before, man, it's so important. 
You can be great during the regular season. All of a sudden, you get those moments, and all of a sudden, it's like, you just don't throw the way you normally throw. You You get squeezed a little bit. Yeah, Paul. And the other side of it, if you're a Dodgers fan, can we just play another game right after this? Oh. We got 17 hits. We haven't walked anybody. Let's play. Let's play back to back. Let's roll. Yeah. Let's start at like uh, one in the morning. I would stay there. Yeah. Don't mess with the street. Our play of the day was uh, brought to you by M Drive. Compete against the younger guys with M Drive, the supplement for driven men that supports healthy testosterone levels. Boost energy. Visit mdrivedan.com. Free shipping, 60 day guarantee. Don't let age beat you. Get M Drive. Jesse in LA joining us. Good morning, Jess. Hey, DP. Thanks for taking my call and happy meet and positivity Friday. Yeah. Hey, one of, the, one of the coolest parts about my game experience last night was I chose to listen to it on radio instead of watching it. And it was like that time capsule moment that you and Ben Scully and Bob Costas talk about when you guys were younger and you had to listen to it and imagine the game through whoever was calling it. And Steiner and company did a great job as usual. Um, but what I'm really calling about is because I'm just excited for sports. Like Seaton mentioned it yesterday, it's the best time of the year. Listen to this lineup I got this week, NDP. Okay. I know it's my fanhood, but listen to it. Tonight I got the Kings looking to go 2-0 and for the first time in God knows how long. Tomorrow we got the college game day in Westwood at, for UCLA at, or for Oregon at UCLA. Then at Dodgers, I rest the Dodgers going to game, trying to go to Game Seven with Max Scherzer, as you mentioned. Sunday we got all the NFL action: football team at Lambeau, Classico if you're in the real football, Warriors at Kings, and hopefully a Game Seven. And if all these things happen, if UCLA and the Packers win, the Dodgers pull off the series somehow, and the Kings go three and zero, no bets. I'm doing a celebratory shower of the shame for the show. You guys just need, you need that content. You guys choose the sauce. You guys choose the content because it, it's all about the content, right, Jen? Yes, so it is. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the fireworks. Cheers, guys. Thank you. All right, Jess. Should be fun. Great time of the year. Steph Curry scored 45, including eight three-pointers. Warriors knocked off the Clippers. So they've beaten the Lakers, now beaten the Clippers. The Ben Simmons situation, he's supposed to be meeting with management this morning. Not sure if he's going to be brought back after a one-game suspension. And he's got a mysterious back injury or tightness there in his back. And uh, Right. Yeah. Even though he was medically cleared to practice with the 76ers, he's got a tight... There's nothing... It's like when you have a stomach, you know, an upset stomach. How do you disprove that? Hey, uh, how you feel? My back, back's a little sore there. A little tight. Tighten up a little bit there. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. Yes, Todd. Will there be special accommodations, like a nice recliner for this meeting? Is it a sit-down meeting? So we don't want to uh, twinge his back any further. Uh, Daryl Morey, the 76ers GM, he uh, spoke about uh, Ben's situation yesterday. This could be four years. Like... The, the the conditions that I'm pointing out to you don't change. Unless Ben Simmons is traded for a difference maker, we're in the prime of Joel's career. We have to get back either Ben Simmons playing well for us, who helps us win the championship, or we have to get back a difference maker for Ben Simmons, or this could be four years from now. Oh, boy. Uh, that's courtesy of 97.5, the fanatic in Philly. Now, he had to do the interview with him, contractually obligated. That's the Sixers radio station. It's one thing to have to do the interview. You could, you don't have to talk, but I thought that he was pretty forthcoming, basically saying, hey, uh, Ben, 
we want you to come back. This is the prime of Joel Embiid uh, career, and we have our best chance of winning. Do I think this is going to last four years? No. Do I think it's going to last four months? No. Do they lessen their trade demands? Maybe a little bit, but you want somebody who doesn't want to be there. How's the fans, how are these fans going to react to this? We've already heard his teammates react to this. We'll have more on this coming up. One hour in the books, two more to go.